The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash that like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please go ahead and knock that out while you're here. And today I am excited. I hope you can see it on my face. I'm excited to tell you uh, that we're starting our conference previews for the 2022-23 college basketball season. To be clear, we, we won't do every conference because college basketball has 32 conferences, and I don't have that kind of time. I don't have that kind of time on my hands. But but we will do each of the leagues that are traditionally considered power conferences, and we're starting with the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. First question, Deadleg, with Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF headed to the Big 12, after this season, is this is this it? Is this our last AAC preview? I I, I don't have any kind of joy in saying this, but I, I think it is. Oh. Uh, I'll I'll I've got five storylines to be aware of here, and this is actually the first one. So it's a beautiful segue and uh, unplanned way to team me up here. But yeah, this is the final year of major quote unquote major conference affiliation for the American GP because. Houston, I mean, soak it all in while you can, uh, AAC, because Houston is a viable national title contender, obviously. Cincinnati historically registers as one of the 10 to 15 best programs per accomplishment in the history of the sport. Uh, UCF doesn't have nearly that amount of tradition and history, not even close. But uh, I think it's like the it's been the fastest growing university in terms of undergrads and, and whatnot over the past like two decades in the entire country. There, a humongous uh, base there in the middle of Florida, which is one of the more populated states in the country. So that is a huge, huge ding to the conference from a football standpoint, of course, but basketball as well uh, is, is major. So after this, here's who's incoming. I won't even trivia time you on this, but they, we do have replacements. Um, UAB, UAB, Charlotte, FAU, UNT, Rice, UTSA. All right, so you're on top of it. Count that. Top. Count that as a trivia time I victory. Did not, I, I did not designate. Did not designate as a trivia time. I know, but I did. I know. It's going to be. A, that was a self. That was a self. You know how you have self-imposed postseason bans? Yeah. That, that was a self-imposed trivia, trivia time. time. Yep. Yeah. Seems like such a concept is a. Uh, is rife for some scandal, but yes. Um, 
it's going to be a 14 team league to me it's like CUSA redux all over again right. i know that's redundant but you consider memphis is going to be in there like and it feels like memphis is going to look up in two years and find itself in the same exact spot it was with john calipari 16 years ago only he's doing a good job i don't know if he'll be able to dominate uh the way that, that cal did there so yeah memphis should be king of the hill in this league if it does not get out of this league uh so with that in mind i just wonder if the american this season as it's send off with this current configuration can be as decent as it was maybe in 2018-19 ranked six in ken palm so keep keep that in mind that's storyline number one then i'll run quickly down the rest of this and you can react as you please number two houston maybe it's highest hype ever and i mean ever viable national title contender yeah i know the mid 80s they were they were plenty good as well but uh, when you consider how relevant they've been and now uh you know you probably will have some people picking them win the national title um it's 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 a big time deal there. We will talk Cougs on this. We're not going to go crazy deep. Go listen to our summer shoot around on Houston. That's why we did those. So we'll touch on them, obviously, but we're not going to go super deep because ba- basically we already talked about them for 25 minutes earlier in the summer. Number three, Kendrick Davis. Now running the show in Memphis. We'll talk. Uh, we talk all about Marcus Sasser, potential first team All-American. That's certainly justified. But what if Davis is actually the best player in this conference? I think that is a possibility, GP. He's familiar with it. Knows the league previously at SMU. He'll have the keys at Memphis and he will be the key to ensuring Memphis can get to the NCAA tournament for a second consecutive season. Storyline four is Cincinnati surging. Bearcats are now in year two under Wes Miller. He's building a top 20 recruiting class for next season when they get into the Big 12. We'll see if they can get a little bit of momentum going in. I do think there's a decent chance the Bearcats could be a national surprise. And then last one, it's uh, it's come on already Temple because I do have a soft spot for Temple. I wonder if you do as well, given how we came up uh, knowing the sport and John Chaney and Temple being relevant in the 80s into the 90s there. This is year four for Aaron McKee. The program has gone a decade since finishing as a top 50 team in Ken Palm. It feels like few schools who identify as like, yeah, that's a good college basketball program have been lost in the shuffle over the past 10 years. Like temple has, uh, I'd like to see them find some footing again. And we'll, I'll share a few more words on the Owls. but you know, this is not a conference overrun with, uh, with plucky storylines and, and a lot of juicy gossip, but that's the stuff that sticks out to me. Yeah. Temple is a, a, a pretty significant college basketball program from, you know, my, my childhood into my early adult years. And they've just really been off the radar for a, a little while now. But, you know, I, I won't be surprised if, if they finish top four, top five in the league this season. So they they, they, they seem to be headed the Owls in, in the right direction. That said, um, like you noted, Houston is obviously – the, the the class of the league, but do you think they can get the AAC more than two teams in the NCAA tournament? Because my projections right now, and I think most people's projections right now would be Houston, Memphis, and then everybody else is playing for the NIT. I'll put it this way. Mm-hmm. If I put the over under on NCAA tournament teams for the AAC at 2.5, you going over or under? Should I answer now or should we tease it for after the break? Oh, you know what? You know what? Let's get a word from our partners. Come on, partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Don't clean that up and post nada. We he wasn't ready. He wasn't he was not ready for it. We almost got it past the goalie there. Oh man, oh man. That was come on, partners. <laughs> I love it. All right. So um we'll get to our predictions, our rundown for uh for the conference here in just a second. So I won't give uh that away, at least my my order. But I am I will say three. So the team that I will have finishing third, I'm gonna say squeaks in, goes to Dayton, makes the first four. I'll say they just narrowly managed to get three teams in, but uh, two is very much on the table. And I don't even think that one is unthinkable. I'm not going to predict one. I'm not saying that's the most likely scenario, but put me down for, you know, even 15% chance that this is a one bid league in 2023. Okay. So Houston in, like we're not even debating that. Like the whole team, like seven players would have to suffer season ending injuries for Kelvin Sampson, not to get back to the NCAA tournament. So they're in, I I think Memphis agreed. 65-35 in, something like that? Um, hmm. Let's talk Memphis real quick. Uh, clear the amount of bait stuff. He's gone. No Jalen Dern anymore. There's no NCAA investigation. We mentioned this on a recent, obviously, Memphis episode. Uh, DeAndre Williams is still on this team. Malcolm Dandridge, who I, who I like. He's the man in the middle. Um, okay. I have to put Memphis second. But I don't... I was like re familiarizing myself with this roster again. I don't know. I feel like the Tigers is it's ambient. It's range is anywhere between 16 and 23 regular season wins. That's a wide gap. I just, I I, I don't know. Uh, Davis is, is so critical to all of this here that he alone is why you have to have Memphis second. If he wasn't on this roster, I would not have a lot of courage to put Memphis into the NCAA tournament picture, but because he is there, I will their second, but mark me down for like a, like a 20 and 11 kind of Memphis season, I think. So yeah, I think they've got to be two, but if they are not two, I will not be surprised. Um, They've got a challenging non-league schedule. And so they're going to have to take care of business there or else they'll find themselves in the situation. They often find themselves in over the past few years, which is needing to get really good in, February and early March to make the incident play tournament. Um, weren't able to do it in 2021. They were able to do it in 2022. And what's most interesting about this Memphis roster is that it is like the polar opposite mm-hmm. of the type of rosters Penny has mostly had at Memphis. If you remember in his second year, and this is the year that was cut short by the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. That's the year that was DeAndre Williams turning 23. DeAndre Williams. He was 23 that second season. I don't know that he was on that team. 
I, I was just a keep it going. DeAndre Williams used to babysit me. <laughs> exactly. People don't realize that. When I was a kid, DeAndre Williams was my babysitter. And now he's a super senior at the University super of duper Memphis. Duper, yes. He's like a super duper, super duper senior. And like one of the only college basketball players in the country who can legally rent a car. And so <laughs> if you remember that's president of the United States. Okay, we're done. Go ahead. <laughs> DeAndre Williams grew up with Joe Biden. People don't know that. I don't understand why that story is not talked about enough. Went to UMass Lowell with Elvis Presley. Oh, here we go. DeAndre Williams started his college basketball career at UMass Lowell when Elvis Presley was there. Mm. And because of that friendship, that's one of the reasons he ended up at Memphis. Because the connection, obviously. Yeah. is like, you know, because they kept in touch. You know, they kept in touch. So Elvis died. Tragically. Yeah. Over at Graceland on Elvis Presley Boulevard. Mm. And in so in, in Memphis, yeah. In, in the same hospital where I was born. There we go. Man, it's just a cosmic you a know, lot of stuff going on. I think you were going to make a point about Penny's second season at Memphis before I completely tossed that train off the tracks. So here we go. Um, number one recruiting class in America. It was, uh, you know, Lester Quinones, James Wiseman, Precious Achute. They started five freshmen. First co- power conference college basketball team and perhaps college basketball team to ever start five freshmen on opening night in history, far as I know. I, I remember writing a column about this, and I couldn't find any other examples. Even the Fab Five didn't start five freshmen until after the new year. So that was that team. Now, check out this probable starting lineup. And I don't want to, I'm borrowing this from Jason Mons, the incredible, great uh, Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal newspaper. Um, he's got a projected starting lineup right now of Kendrick Davis, fifth year senior, transfer from SMU. Demaria Franklin, fifth-year senior, transfer from Illinois, Chicago. Elijah McCadden, fifth-year senior, transfer from Georgia Southern. DeAndre Williams, fifth-year senior, transfer from Evansville. And I'll do my best. K.O. Akabundu Ihu, mm, a yep. redshirt senior from UT Arlington. I don't know if this is true, but it might be true. Once upon a time, Memphis was more or less, at least from a starting lineup perspective, just a few years ago, youngest team in the country. Now, Memphis might really start the oldest starting lineup in the entire country. It is all seniors, all transfers, and you know, four of the five at the very least are, are considered fifth-year seniors. Some dedicated listener, if you could come find us when uh, after the opening night of the NBA, I want to know if that Memphis lineup, if there will be an NBA lineup that is actually younger in total age than Memphis there. Those are all 22, 23. DeAndre Williams is 25 or 26 now? I think he's 25, about to be 26, yeah. but, but I lost track of his age back in the 60s. Yeah, exactly. So um, super, super old, which is another reason to uh, to lean on him there. And why I've got Memphis, I've got Memphis second there. Um, and again, there's no no more NCAA investigation, no more penalties, uh, which is a good thing. I have got Cincinnati in the tournament, so that's the team I've got third in the standings. GP. Uh, okay, because that's interesting. The team I think I would have third is either Cincinnati or Tulane. I sold on Tulane. I'll get to them in a second. Um, Landers Nolly, Memphis to Cincinnati. He's there. 
There's a lot of that in this league. There Landers Nolly right. transfers from Memphis to Cincinnati. Tyler Harris transfers from Memphis to USF. There's a lot of um yes. in 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 intra 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 conference transfers. Yes, inter would uh, suggest leaving your conference. Intra is within the confines. You will see as we do these conference previews, we're going to mention a few names here, and you're going to be like, oh, that, "That dude's at that school now." Another example is on Cincinnati. Rob Fennessy, who is at Indiana uh, for the majority of his college career. He will finish up as a Bearcat. He's on this uh, He's on this team as well. I'm big on Cincinnati because they've got a really good big Victor Locken. Um, Wes Miller and his staff have been raving about him. Uh, I think I think they think he will burst with production this season. If he does that, I think that's what gets Cincinnati three. David Julius is the best player, or at least expected to be the best players there. Um, so I'm going to go Cincy three. Now, it's a little aggressive. Again, I'm going to say Cincy makes the first four cracks into the NCAA tournament and Miller's, you know, he's still relatively young. I want to say Wes Miller's like 37, 38 years old. I was at UNC Greensboro for one of the things people don't realize is that. Okay. DeAndre Williams Mm. used to date Wes Miller's grandmother. Oh, okay. I thought it was his mom, but no, 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 no. Grandmother. This was early. This was early. early. Yeah. 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 I hear you. Um, I will go Cincy three here. Uh, Tulane has. I'm. I'm. I'm going to put Tulane at five. I'm going to have Temple four. I'm. Not, I'm going to buy in on the Owls and Aaron McKee making it work here, uh, primarily because I, I, I think Khalif Battle, if he can, if he can be fully healthy, I mean, if he's healthy the whole year, I think Temple will be the foil of the league. He missed more than twenty games a season ago. Khalif Battle could slash should be a top five player in the conference. And I was looking at the roster. They probably have as much size as any team one through 10 um, with him, Damian Dunn, and then Zach Hicks. Those are all three wings. They'll probably all average double figures. So put me down for Temple in the NIT. I Tulane is, is, is Tulane could be the number two team in the conference. Um, so I'm kind of throwing darts here, but my one through five is Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, Temple, Tulane. Tulane's interesting because, like Ron Hunter, obviously has has done uh, great stuff previous to to being the Tulane coach. Most famously, um, with his son as his best player, making the NCAA tournament, upsetting Baylor. Come on now, it was it Baylor. How can you not know? I'm, I'm I think I do know. I think it's, it is. That's what okay. I'm saying. Very, very famous, very famous clip. Yes, Baylor. Yes, upset <laughs> Baylor. Yes. Falls off of the little uh, stool. The stool. Ron Hunter has fallen off his stool. <laughs> and, it was the call. And it's been a little difficult uh, at Tulane, but he's built that into um, a, a pretty solid situation. Now, they're returning seven of the top eight scores from a team that finished in the top 100 at Kenpon. So I know it's not apples to apples, but everybody loves Creighton in the Big East, right? Because they're bringing all these pieces back from a team that finished 50th at Kenpon. And now everybody thinks Creighton's a top 10 team, which I'm not arguing. I'm just saying a lot of people who do this for a living say Creighton is going to go from 50 to five based on they're bringing everybody back. Mm-hmm. I'm selling on that notion just as a reminder, but yes, I, I, too. I, I have, I have Creighton a little lower than most people, although I do have Creighton as the favorite in the big East. Um, so if, if Creighton can go from 50 to five, why can't Tulane go from 98 to 43? And if you go to 43, you got a shot to go into the NCAA tournament. Man, can we just talk about something real quick? We talk about anything real quick. As long as we do it real quick, because I ain't trying to be here all day. That's right. 
you know, long-time listeners of this podcast, they know you. They know who you are. I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. That's, wow, it is a Friday podcast. Why? Listen, Tulane, well, what are you doing? You don't, don't want to say it the way you're saying it these days. You don't want to say it as Tulane. That's not what you want. Your Mississippi-bred heart and soul wants to call this school Tulane. So why don't you go back to the way you did it until like 2020? I'm maturing. Can't you see I'm maturing? It's going gonna, it's gonna to escape one of these days. I listen. I listen. Tulane. I, I became sensitive. People were making fun of the way I said Tulane. <laughs> so now I'm like, Tulane, Tulane, yeah. Tulane. Yeah, exactly. How do you? What is the proper way to say it? Uh, Tulane. Tulane. Yes, actually, you know what? If if anyone's down there uh, in Greater Nolens and wants to say uh, that it should be Tulane, I'm all too happy to to take that and let GP go back to the way that he did it. So, you know, I just I couldn't I couldn't not bring it up on this podcast. And yes, I was I was raised on Tulane. Because you don't say it that way, I sometimes find myself subconsciously saying like I need to say Tulane because I got to make up for it on the podcast here. Um, They've got two really good Jalen's on the team. Jalen Cook, Jalen Forbes, uh, the Green Wave do. Obviously, one of the best uniforms in all of college sports. Those two guards combined for nearly 35 points last season. Seven, as you mentioned, 78 scores back. Uh, I, I, this is, there's no dark horse in the league because dark horse, would, to, me, to me, would indicate the team that could win the league. No, Houston is going to win the league. Okay, there, it's The gap between Houston and everyone else and it feels bigger than any other conference we're going to talk about. We, t- right. we, talk- we, we actually hit on this very notion a year ago when we argued that Villanova actually had the biggest gap a season ago of any of the power conference teams. This year, it's Houston unquestionably. But Obvi- it- Obviously, Gonzaga over everybody. But that's every year. Yeah. Or it feels like it's every year. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think you're going to find a gap between one and two in any top seven or eight league bigger than the gap you're going to find between Houston and whoever you think is going to be two. You and I both believe it'll be Memphis. Ron Hunter said he would walk on water if Tulane didn't finish last his first season in the, in the, in the league. They actually did wind up finishing last there. So he's <laughs> on the hook as well. He's on the hook. All right. To pull a I knew as soon as he said that, I was like, they're so finishing last it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. But like, but, but I understood it because like, He's he's good, and he's always been good. And yeah, he's like, he's Listen, yes, just yes. give me just give me eight guys, and I ain't finishing last in this stupid league. That's yeah. what he thought. And then you know, and then maybe this will be the you know, Tulane has not finished above five hundred since twenty twelve thirteen. It's been a decade since this program had an above five hundred season. That will end in twenty twenty three. That's going to come to an end. And you know, just broadly speaking about the league in this program. I'm ready for a change of pace, Parrish. Like it's gonna seeing Houston be awesome. I'm I'm awesome. Great. Uh, getting Cincinnati back in the mix after a few years, you know, after the Cronin era. Great. Uh, but l- give me give me Temple fourth and Tulane fifth, or Tulane second and Temple fifth. I, I give me a little bit of a of a change up in this conference just to make it a little bit more interesting. You know, variety is the spice of life, and I think we need some of that here. So, you know, that's my one through five. Um, real quick, quick as we go down here. After that, I don't think any of these other teams are. I have UCF six, and it's almost on a lark here. Um, they've still got CJ Walker, a former five star prospect who started his career at Oregon. He's on the roster. Hold uh, up. What did you just say? What did you call was, this was, school? Was, I know. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> say it again. I was just trying to see. Okay. That's Oregon. I know. Okay. Uh, he's quietly chipping away at a, at a college career there in Orlando. Um, 
they apparently have a pretty nice freshman in, in Taylor Hendricks who's expected to start at the four. Uh, but to me, and I might even be more aggressive on Temple at four um, than others might be. But when I, you know, I had you know, Tulane topping out the top five there, and then I get to UCF, Wichita State, South Florida. Got a few notes on the bottom feeders here because I got new coaches. But um, I don't know, GP. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns here. I mean, Wichita State had a humongous exodus last season. They lost all their best players: Dexter Dennis, Tyson Etienne, Morris Udesi. Ricky Council, they're all gone. The AD basically got booted out because Wichita State had no NIL collective. Now they finally do, but they were massively falling behind. The fan base was furious at the former AD, Boatwright. Um, James Rojas is the only incoming transfer at Wichita State from a power conference program, though Jaquan Walton was at Georgia two schools ago, but he's not transferring in from a power conference program. It is a complete restart. Seven kind of feels optimistic for the Shockers, but... Home court's still very, very good. And if Isaac Brown really is the guy, he will prevent Wichita State from being a bottom feeder this season. So I'm going a little bit off of reputation. I'll go UCF 6, Wichita State 7. What you know? I don't know if you have a full-on prediction of the league, but uh, I'm tossing it back to you for uh, for any thoughts on Temple, UCF, and, and how you see the rest of the league shaking out prediction-wise, 1 through 11. Well, it's interesting. It was just a few years ago before the Big 12 added uh, – Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, where like we were having serious conversations, as were others, about like can the American, you know, draw equal with the Big East or like, you know, pass the Big East. And and a lot of that was rooted in the idea that, you know, if Kelvin Sampson can keep Houston, you know, like that's a that's rock solid. Um, Cincinnati is a historically great college basketball program. Can they get that thing right? Memphis is a historically strong basketball program. Can they get that thing right? And then Greg Marshall had Wichita State. I mean, the reason Wichita State's in the AAC is because let's just be honest, it's because of Greg Marshall. I mean, it's it's Fred Van Vliet, Ron Baker, but like Greg, Greg Marshall got. I don't think this is an overstatement. Greg Marshall got Wichita State in the AAC, mm-hmm. same way Brad Stevens got Butler. In in the big big east. Oh, yep, 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 yep. And then of course, Greg Marshall is forced to resign. Um, and the program slipped. There's no getting around it. Like you've got Wichita State where? I've got them seven, but this is key. They're gonna slip, but it's to maintain Wichita State for the, the trajectory for the next three to five years, like you can't go tenth in the in the American this year if you're Wichita State. Like if you are really that program, right, you overcome this and you at least become competitive consistently and maybe pick off a top three team at least once somewhere on the league schedule this season. Blue ribbon has Wichita state ninth and you know, like it's a situation where when they forced Greg Marshall out, like I remember talking to people throughout that entire year and it was like, they're going to hire Mark Turgeon or they're going to, they're going to go after this person or that person. And then Isaac Brown was so good in that interim year that they were compelled to just remove the interim tag and make him the full-time head coach. And I'm not speaking on this one way or another. I'm just saying there are times in the sport throughout history, both football and basketball, where an interim coach does a great job and you say, okay, this is our permanent head coach. And then it's like, oh, you know, it, was he just awesome for four months? And, 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 and because he would not have gotten this if without that great season as an interim, he would not even been a serious candidate for this job. I don't think, but he, he was incredible. 
and led them to a great place, and he got the job. And I just wonder if um, Wichita State fans aren't now wondering, like, is this going to work out? Did we hire a great coach, or did we hire somebody who had a great season, if that makes sense? Yeah, and I know Wichita State fans have no doubt found this pod because they're probably itching for a little bit of national recognition just talking about the team because it's kind of been, you know, it's just been uh, flirting with toiling with irrelevancy. I don't think it's there yet. Um, it is a it is a big season here for Wichita State, and uh, and I'm not going to put I'm not putting Isaac on the hot seat. Fans might, but I'm not going to do that. No, I, I mean, let me be clear. I'm not either. I'm just saying you can find examples in both football and men's basketball where the interim coach did a nice job, had the players on his side, and then got the job permanently, and then like it just never was as good as it was in that interim year. And so far. Um, that seems to be the trajectory we're on, unless Wichita State overachieves pretty dramatically relative to, to preseason expectations. All right, real quick, the rest of my projected standings here for the league. Um, and I've actually got a, I've got a music cue here ready for us as well. So I've got oh, South Florida no. 8. No, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. Okay. It's going to be a okay. trivia time. It's going to be a trivia time. Um, I got South Florida 8. You mentioned Tyler Harris is now in Tampa. Uh, program just feels like it's spinning wheels a bit. Um, South Carolina transfer Keyshawn Bryant uh, will probably be a key player there. And then 9, 10, 11, SMU, Tulsa, East Carolina, what do they all have in common? They all have new head coaches. So. Trivia time, me. Nah. nah, nah. Uh, self-imposed trivia time. Rob Lanier, Eric Conkle, Mike Schwartz. You, you researched the league. for the. That doesn't count. Trivia time has got to be like you haven't had this in your brain for the previous you know, 12 to 24 to 36 hours. So that oh, oh, look who declared themselves yeah. the referee of trivia time. You know what? I think I'm doing some arbitration right now. That's right. That's right. Um, SMU won 24 games last season. Narrowly missed out on dancing. Kendrick Davis is gone. Uh, you, yes, the ponies have Rob Lanier from Georgia State. Took over for Jim, Tim Jankovic, who retired. Samuel Williamson, once upon a time, a coveted Louisville prospect, is now on the team there. Tulsa has Eric Conkle, who went seven years at Louisiana Tech. He was really, really good for seven years. They just never made the tournament. It's the same exact thing with Mike White. He was awesome at La Tech for like five, six years, got the Florida job. The team just can't break through to the big dance there. Well, it's, it's, it's hard in that league, yeah, man. Because yes. Conference USA, they've got a lot of teams usually that are comparable, but only one can get in. No, that's that's tough. Eric's good. Yeah. I, I like that hire. I do. He won 153 games in seven seasons at Louisiana Tech. Very, very good. Um, I hope Tulsa's the right spot for him. Year one probably will be a slog. Sam Griffin is a name to note there. And then I've got East Carolina finishing last. Mike Schwartz, former associate head coach at Tennessee, really helped build Tennessee into one of the top-tier defensive units in the country. Uh, they lost Tristan Newton to UConn, did ECU, which is going to be that's going to be a dagger. If he was on the team, I wouldn't pick him last, but he's not. Um, this team, this program, last made the NCAAs in 1993. All right? Mm -hmm. The number one movie in America in 1993 was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> really? The number one, which I don't even remember. I remember, I remember one, and I vaguely remember two. I have no memory of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three and it being the number one movie in America. Can you wow. name the Ninja Turtles easily? Come on, man. Can you? Michelangelo. Yes. Donatello. Do the colors with the names. Here we go. With Michelangelo blue. Nah, come on, dude. Uh, Michelangelo Donatello. What color is Michelangelo? Red. Come on, man. Yellow. No, no. Michelangelo was orange. Orange. What was Donatello? Blue. Come on. Oh, you're terrible at this. Donatello was purple. Purple is what I meant. Yeah. Uh, 
Sometimes I confuse um, blue and purple. Michelangelo Donatello. I remember, I remember Master Splinter. Yeah. Uh, you can probably guess his color. Either what, blue or purple. What, what color is a rat? Rat's black. Uh, well, I mean, it was brownish, but okay. Yeah, I mean, you're 0 for 3. What were the other two turtles? Michelangelo Donatello. Holy Christ. Why do I not know this? Oh, man. Michelangelo. Famous, famous artists. The, the turtles are named after very famous artists. Who's like the most famous, maybe the smartest person in the history of, of our planet ever, other than Einstein? And Plato. Socrates. He maybe he's coming in fourth. Inventions. Oh, it's philosophy uh, paintings, all this stuff. It's Michelangelo, Donatello, Steve Jobs. Oh gosh. And and Elon Musk. Wow. Is that the four Ninja Turtles? Right. Leonardo. Leonardo. That's, that's Leonardo right. Ninja. What color was Leonardo? Purple. Come on, he's blue. And blue. then Raphael. Raphael. Raphael or Raphael? Tulane. Exactly. Raph, and that's that's when he's easy to remember. Raph was red. Can you name mm. I can't even play the music yet? Can you name the can you name the Ninja Turtles weapons? Each of them. Any chance? Yeah, one of them had Nunchucks. None. Not noon. None. None. Nunchucks. Yes. Yep. Who had those? Uh Michelangelo. That's right. Yeah, because Michelangelo was the favorite of most kids. Yes. How did the American Athletic Conference preview turn into a Ninja Turtles conversation? <laughs> what did Leonardo have? He had a um, AR-15. Gosh, I think he had an AR-15, which was controversial even at the time. He had the sword. Yep, Donatello. I was a. By the way, I was a Donatello guy. Just so we're clear here, yeah, very much Don- Donatello. Donatello had. The coolest weapon in my bazooka. It was a bazooka. Yeah, man, you're you're bad. Mm. You had the staff, the bow staff, the long stick. Yeah, and then Raph had the size, the two two metal three prong things. He had the size. Yeah, I own those myself. Okay, so that was the number one movie in America in '93. The last <laughs> time East Carolina made the what tournament. was the number one album in America in 1993? Have that Eric Clapton's Unplugged which knocked for like two weeks off the top of the chart, the bodyguard soundtrack. Number one song in America. First, you know what? I'm going to do the number two song. Let me bring this up here. My all right, number two song in America, the week, the week that East Carolina made <laughs> the tournament. This better be, I'm bringing up, this better be the right, it better be the right version. Here we go. Oh, it's not playing. Oh my God. I got to say it. Just terrible. Black Hole Sun. No. This is Billboard Hot 100. Oh. Is it, it's really not going to play? I'm so angry right now. Number two song in America was nothing but a G thing. Of course. The number one song in the country. The last time East Carolina made the tournament was Snow Informer. Oh, my God. I know. Informer, what were we doing? Snow. What were we doing back then? What were we doing back then? Man, oh man, so bummed I couldn't play. But yeah, that's uh, that's our East Carolina adjacent trivia time. Let's pick, let's pick our awards and get the hell out of here, please. Um, th- this is wild because I don't think this will be the case in any other league. Reigning player of the year is back. Not my pick to be player of the year. 
Not my pick either. Kendrick Davis is the reigning AAC player of the year. He is back in the AAC, albeit at a different school. And yet my player of the year is Marcus Sasser. Because I will have Marcus Sasser as a first-team All-American. And uh, and if he's a first-team All-American, he's going to be the AAC player of the year. Yeah, I have Marcus Sasser as well. He's the practical choice. Not that uh, Davis can get it. We're both on the same page. Yes, Kendrick Davis is a great college basketball player. But Sasser's got to be the pick because Houston is expected to comfortably be the best team, best player on the best team. If you can stay healthy, that's where we're going. Right. Um, Kendrick Davis is a, is a terrific college basketball player. I don't mean that as a slight um, uh, to him. I just think Marcus Sasser is, I don't know, I'll just say it plainly, a better college basketball player. You know, he was on track to be a first-team All-American last year before he got hurt. And I talked to the staff there I don't know, within the past couple of weeks. And like he's obviously healthy, been terrific in, in preseason, and they're expecting big, big things from him. Um, I, I'm not going to make this too complicated. Like my awards are all go to Houston. Freshman of the year, Darius Walker, who is a five star guy who should be like, you know, freak athlete, should be awesome. And then coach of the year, obviously, Kelvin Sampson. So we disagree on these two. Um, How do you, who would you have freshman of the year over? guy who's going to be the more important freshman when we get to March. Terrence Arsenault will probably be a first-round NBA pick, if not next year, the year after, but I think he will be a top three scorer on this Houston team by the time we get to March. So I'm going to, and I admittedly, like he's a guy who I watched play on the recruiting trail. And when, at the time when I saw him, I was like, oh, Houston's the favorite to get this guy? Because he's not like anything Kelvin Sampson has ever had on that roster before. I think he could be a firecracker. So your pick is obviously it's, I think this is 50, 50. So I'm going, I'm going Arsenault and uh, he's awesome. And this is also why Houston's so comfortably going to be champion because they have awesome returning players and they have freaking tremendous freshmen. Like this is a big, big time year. And then my coach of the year. Yeah. You can go Kelvin Sampson. I'm going to go based on how coaches sometimes vote in this thing. If Houston wins the league and, you know, Kelvin Sampson might win it, but if Wes Miller gets Cincinnati to the tournament, he's going to consider to have been an overachiever and then he'll win coach of the year. So my prediction on coach of the year is that Wes Miller wins it because Cincinnati makes the tournament. I hate the way some people vote on that. I know. I'm just saying that's why I picked Wes Miller here. If Kelvin Sampson has built Houston from nothing into a preseason top five team and then wins the league pretty it's old news. People looking for a different story. It's the same reason why LeBron James doesn't win MVP most seasons, because people get sick of voting for the same guy. By the way, Jairus Walker ranked 11th in the class of 2022. Terrence Arsenal ranked 40th. Now, that doesn't mean Arsenal can't be better than Walker, but... He ain't the 40th best freshman in the country, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Oh, somebody thinks they're a recruiting analyst now. No. College basketball analyst. He's not going to be the 40th best freshman. I didn't say he wasn't the 40th best recruit. He's not going to be the 40th best freshman. There is a difference. Kelvin Sampson wins this league. He should be the coach of the year. Very well might be the case. But I've got a little snow going here. Remember this? Bat? I... Of course I remember it. <laughs> Just bad, dude. Bad. I never liked this song. I was never like, yeah, you know, I was like, what, 12 when this happened? I was never like, I was never, I was never bumping the snow. Just when it was not happening. Nothing but a G thing. That's a different what, story. What year was that? That was 93. Yeah. When was Gangster's Paradise? Good question. I'm going to say that's 96. 
Is it good with the year game? Let me look at that real quick. I think, I think that was 96. Let me look at it up right I now. I think it's actually 95. Oh, nada. Hold on. 95, you're right. Ugh. One of the things people don't realize is that DeAndre Williams is in that video. In the, in the Gangsta's Paradise video? Yes, it's, Julio, Michelle Pfeiffer, and, and DeAndre And then in Williams. the background, DeAndre. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Go watch it. Yeah. There we go. Go watch it. Are we done? This seems ridiculous. <laughs> shouts to David Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hawk Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Over to Apple, five stars. Nice review. Type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever forget it. The comments need to reflect that. Appreciate you being here. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.